wing stop near us, so I usually just go to the pizza. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I just started mine recording. <laughs> I like to sneak attack is my, mm-hmm. my mode of operation. Our pre-conversation about wings. That's the good stuff. That's the food conversation. <laughs> we had a pizza brunch today, me and Pat. Oh. It was really good. good. Yeah. Home slice. Nice. You get like a Bloody Mary with like a piece of pizza on top yeah. of it. Which is pretty much how all Bloody Mary should be. So, Agreed. Laura Palmer is what? dead. Oh, wait, we're going to wait a minute. One second, <laughs> one second. Sorry. I changed all... That's the problem with the sneak attack, is you uh-huh. run the risk of not everyone being on the same page. One of the recordings won't have the... That's also... The pre my, my approach to leaving is also the Irish goodbye, which is like sneak leaving. Yeah. Ghost. Without anyone... Oop, that was play, Melissa. There we go. There you go. All right. Laura Palmer is dead, a Twin Peaks podcast, and we're talking today about episode eight, The Last Evening, last episode in season one, and the first episode in season two, May the Giant Be With You. A lot going on. So much happening, and I I want to just talk about May the Giant Be With You, because that is an excellent fan favorite episode, but we've got to plow through The Last Evening first. Which is mill plotty and filled with plot. Mill plotty to the uh, not super close listener <laughs> meeting, the sawmill B plot comes into play. Yes. A lot. To me, that's never a good sign. When we're talking a lot about the mill, we're not going in the direction that I want to go. Right. Personally. They also do the jock, though. Yeah, so there the is. Jock. It's the. Jock Renault. It's the catching of jock. That, so, major plot points, we've still got Cooper in place at One-Eyed Jacks, and Audrey is there as well. And Coop can count cards. Yeah. That's one thing we find out. He's yeah. a master card counter. He's good at he everything. He has, like, ten cards. They're all twos and aces. Yeah. yeah guess I don't care how, like, I know the, the theory behind counting cards, and you still would never hit on a 19, no matter what the count is. There's no... <laughs> There's no count in the world that justifies that hit. Ah. So that scene with Coop and Jacques, who is the the blackjack dealer, I was noticing Kyle McLaughlin does not blink. He's so <laughs> intense. Like, the way he draws Jacques in with, you know, giving him a little bit, and Jacques is not very bright. He spills everything about that evening with very little prompting at all and what really bothers me is mostly about the name tags which just say (laughs) hello my name is right why they are employees of this establishment it's like couldn't you like just put a like a laminate thing and maybe like a little picture yeah that really bothered me (laughs) <laughs> also, it's an elite, an illegal establishment, right. but yet they're but very proper with their name tags. Yeah. Make sure it's you badge in. Canadian, Pat. <laughs> it's Canadian. They're it's always true. polite. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's yeah. Jacques just mm-hmm. does not does not take long to just totally spill. And what I love, there's a moment where he's talking about Cooper says like. Oh, Leo told me all about the night with you and Laura. So Jock, like a big dummy, is like, whoa, duh, gee, boss. Well, he told you, so I might as well just tell you anything you ask. And then He they... also proffered the poker chip piece yes. as proof that he was, like, on the inside. That is true, mm-hmm. yes. But I, I was confused. Didn't, I thought they stole that chip, like, from Jock's cabin. Or they... 
Oh, but Jack or, didn't know that you put it there. Or from Laura's stomach, right? No, no, no. no the little the, piece was in Laura's stomach oh, that was missing. Oh, okay. The okay. Comes, right? Oh. The little piece was in Laura's, uh, Laura's stomach. Yeah. I, yeah. The bigger piece was in the clock. Oh, well, that's right. At Jacques' cabin. At Jacques' cabin. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But, but great moment, I think, is when Jacques is revealing about the night. They really zoom in on him in this slow-mo way on, like, a piece of spittle and he's talking about Laura getting tied up, and she really liked it, and Leo's really giving it to her, and it's just the the horrible juxtaposition of a disgusting man describing basically raping and murdering you know, a high school girl with relish that's just really intense that, like... In all fairness, it might not have been rape. That's true. No. There's insinuation that it was not. It wasn't yeah. rape, but... But still disgusting, and they make it... Yeah. They really make it a gross moment. Because, like, she really loves doing that. And mm-hmm. she says yep. so yep. later on the tape with Jacoby, because she talks about, like, um, he he tried to kill me, but as you know, I sure got off on it. Yeah, like, like, this episode was, like, very risque for the terms of early 90s television. (laughs) Like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing (laughs) was on TV back then. And I'm thinking I remember my parents starting to watch this show when it first came on and, like, then, like, instantly dropping it. And now I know why. Because they didn't want to watch this with kids in the house. Watch yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. we... Pat this would not be on regular... <laughs> no. This would be on cable, This is like yes. HBO, like... Well, Showtime, which is... Showtime's yeah. doing the new season. Oh, it kind of yeah. makes That's sense. True. Like, yeah. And Pat and I have been watching this stuff for the new season on Showtime. This week is the Entertainment Weekly cover came out and the teaser trailers. Of course, we're not talking about that because we're with Tom and Melissa. But um, all the actors and in interviews talk about, like this show wasn't like anything else on television. And I think you're really seeing that, that it is really pushing the envelope for yeah. sure. I mean, the stuff about Laura being into S&M, like, really makes me think how she's in a time where that she's thinking, like, there's something sick and wrong with me. Hmm. And now we'd be like, everyone's seen Fifty Shades of Grey, so you like That's to be spanked, true. like, no big yeah. deal. <laughs> you know, like, you're not a sick weirdo. You're yeah. just someone who likes, you know... Subdown play. Years. Well, she, did, she also gets off on the thought of guys trying to kill her, though. So that's a little. This is a little unhealthy. bit further. That's, yeah. that's yeah. turning into unhealthy water. Guys, but yeah. we're kink positive, like I said. <laughs> no, no judgment, but you know, right. maybe you seek help. No, it's true. Maybe talk it out. Like, talk yeah. it out. Why yeah. you really find these fantasies so? Yeah, and as it turns out, it doesn't seem, despite his creepiness, despite his that Jacques is actually the one who killed her. He seems to have been, like been passed out at the time the murder actually took place. He was there on the night, but wasn't actually part of the murder. Right. Yes. He was hanging out while Leo and Laura were doing it. Well, and, and then just went outside. Like Jacques got sick. The third said. man took the girls to somewhere away from Jacques. Right. And there's a mysterious Leo. third man. Right. That's who we need to. That's, that's who we need to figure out who that is. We assume it's... And what are we calling the place where the murders take, took place? Like, the box? It, the train, train car. Yeah. Train yes. car, okay. yeah. He took him to the train car, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so we're learning a lot about the, like, the actual Murder. A plot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we're also learning a lot about the B plot. We're going into the <laughs> second episode, too, a little bit here, but... Yeah. Yes. Kind of... Well, yeah, kind of, like, flipping... That's all right. We don't. And then at the so the big thing at the end of the big cliffhanger for the end of season one is Cooper opens the door to his hotel room and gets shot at near point blank range three times: two in the upper belly area, one in the lower abdomen, 
But uh, as Melissa <laughs> predicted, and you know, we all kind of knew he was, it was, yes, he was going to come back. But he was wearing a vest. Only the lower shot pierced his body, and he was recovered. This just shows how yes. people's minds work differently because Tom cannot remember the name Catherine Martell, but could describe where the bullets went for <laughs> Cooper. And like, I would never have been able to tell you. And I've watched this ten times. How many bullets shot Cooper? I'm always interested in the tactical points of <laughs> yes. combat because of video games. I think <laughs> so amazing. I was like blown away. I was Three just like, whoa, pinpoint no. shots. He's Rain Man. Doesn't surprise this gal. You yeah. know, one one funny thing though, I'd like to bring up about the whole Coop getting shot thing was uh, I used to think when he was talking about the wood tick riding up his chest that he was that that was actually the bullet that oh. hit him and he was dreaming about a wood tick burrowing into him and I thought that was the bullet like an analogy okay. or a metaphor but no yeah but it was an actual really wood tick and that's that why was... he had lifted the vest up enough to get at that would take yeah. that he got shot at all. Yeah, exactly. Itch yeah. a little scratch. Yeah, I guess. A scratch a little itch. <laughs> it seems to me like he would have died if the bullet, like. There's a lot right. of, like. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you need, like. So, I mean, there's a lot of empty. There's not a lot of vital organs. In <laughs> a lot of empty organs in this. <laughs> you know, you're going to need some, like. <laughs> intestine repair. They can fix it. They can yeah, cut out sections of intestine and sew them right up together. Seriously. I mean, you've got Doc Hayward, so you're a really <laughs> advanced town. Good yeah. point. Good point. Pat and I also found out in our binge watching late last night of, like, interviews of Twin Peaks actors that, like, we have to remember this is an era of TV where it wasn't, like, binge watch, so it was episodic. And. The actors would get like their scenes, but they wouldn't get anything else. So when the actor, the actors would like get together yeah. and watch the show together weekly and be like surprised by what happened. And they were all, they were saying yeah. that like when Cooper died or got shot, not died. When Cooper got <laughs> shot, they were all like, "Oh my God, we're fucked. We don't have a job. <laughs> the show got canceled." Um, like to oh, us yeah, as yeah. spoiled binge watchers, we're so you know like, "Oh please," but. To episodic watchers in the '90s, it was really different. To Not do to that. mention the explaining parts, because you almost have to have right. some like because week to week, as opposed right. to right. even right. that is like, you got to remind the audience opera. what happened last week. Yeah, it's soap opera in that respect where it goes. Well, you remember when, and then they kind of got a small plot summary of what just happened. Yes. They were like, yes. yeah. now we're continuing Or these that. guys will use like a, a half dissolve like into like an older shot that they did where they established this character. Yeah, right. It's like a weird like montage. Yeah. Like yeah. flashback. <laughs> my favorite that, is yeah. anyone who has a sibling knows you never like, when I see my brother Brett, I'm never like... Hello, brother. Yeah. Like, it's understood between us that we're brother and sister. That's like a TV thing. I, I'm ah, brother go. Jer, good to see you. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, we, under, a lot we, of don't, shows do that. we don't need to establish the fact that we're siblings. Really we remember hard. that from yeah. the past 30-some years. Or a hate friend <laughs> that I've known for several years. Right. Like, and, there's, and there's really an easy way that the writers could do this. I'm learning a lot about how not to do bad writing by talking about this show. Not that it's bad, but... I'm just saying, okay, here, have your, have your siblings, Sometimes. when they see each other in the room, instead of saying, hey, brother, have them say, like, oh, I dropped mom off at the doctor's yesterday. <laughs> right, Boom. so easy. Establish, so the, easy. Start the scene that way. Also, Pat knows one of my pet peeves. Not, this doesn't happen in Twin Peaks, but <laughs> I hate when siblings on TV have sexual tension. Because it always happens. Because it's always two actors who are hot 
who are not actually related, and they're trying to show some intimacy, but they don't know how to do it without wanting to bone each other, and it yeah. drives me fucking crazy. I right. hate it. Because... <laughs> Which siblings are you talking like, about on this show? L- no, I'm no. saying it didn't happen oh, oh, oh. in Twin Peaks. Actually, it's not like, Yeah, yeah like, it doesn't really I happen think, in like, Ross, Ross Monica, like, yep. friends yes. type thing. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he was dating his sister in real life, like, and uh, they had, like, clear flirtation and they killed, chemistry. They killed him he hit a mother and daughter and killed them in real life. One with no, her in the yeah. car. Yeah, in Europe, uh, in Germany. Yeah. Wow. Matthew, Matthew McConaughey killed two no. people. Broderick. 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 Don't you dare sell like Matthew McConaughey's name. <laughs> I would, I would believe McConaughey did it. <laughs> but that seedy Matthew Broderick just can't be trusted. But what's that? Um, is it true crime? The uh, the True Detective. True Detective. Yeah, True Thank Detective. Yeah. Yeah. Season one of that was so good. Well, see, so good. you don't know that, but you know the positions of bullets. I just don't understand your mind, Tom. It's, it's a little broken. <laughs> It's amazing to me. Okay, so we got... Anyway. I know we're trying to avoid it, but we got to go into the mill. So, I know. Let's just take a deep breath and just explain the mill. Deep dive in. (laughs) So, the night has finally come to burn the mill. Leo decides to kill two birds with one stone by burning the mill and killing Shelly, who is washing her (laughs) hair with her In the sink. They don't have a shower. Yeah. Right. Washing her hair in the sink with her gun next to her. But doesn't hear another, like, someone creep up behind her. Right. Tries to grab the towel. The towel is not within reach. Puts her hand lightly on her gun because that's right next to her. And then Leo jumps her. Like, Shelly, either just keep your gun in your hand all the time (laughs) or don't keep it near you. But (laughs) right now your plans are not working with that gun. I think what was happening in that moment was that the towel was getting pulled away, wasn't it, by Leo? Yep. It yes. Was. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she's trying to she's trying to dry that beautiful hair. So that might explain for us why her hair is darker in the next oh, episode. Oh, that's true. It was a weird bottle. Maybe <laughs> yeah. she dyed it. Yeah. While she was washing it, we don't know because yeah, we was... discovered Lynch doesn't care about details like that. <laughs> the continuity is not there from season one to season two, even though one day has passed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we got and what's Much great like from the pilot to episode two. <laughs> <laughs> right. If yes. you had missed all of episode, uh, the like episode one eight. Lucy explains everything that happened in 1-8 at the beginning of episode 2-1 yeah. when she fills Cooper in. So that's why I took notes, because I'm like, oh, this will be how I know what happened exactly in the last episode. Because it also doesn't have much Audrey, which is why it was a, But it's Leo Johnson was shot by Hank, we find out, at the yep, end of episode yep. 1-8. And I'm just going to put it out there. I do not enjoy Hank. I do not... Ugh. Enjoy the tangents of Hank. Right. I do not enjoy his <laughs> yeah. character, his acting ability. No, I am not Hank a is Hank terrible. fan. There's and something you know, not fun when he's on screen. He's it's just terrible. evil, it's just like, evil man. And it's like boring too. It's true. It's like you can be like sexy evil and yeah. be like, I really love killing all these people. Right. Or you can just be like, meh, I kill and people. You know, and Wanna I get back together. <laughs> oh, I love you, my wife. <laughs> That was like a dead-on Hank impression. <laughs> and in a show that's such a large ensemble cast, you have limited amount of time to tell so many stories. Watching these two episodes together, I realized how much time is devoted to Hank, which is like, yeah, to time. me, a miss 
direction of time. I mean, nobody likes Hank. <laughs> and yet he was in all... He was probably the most featured actor, you could say, almost in... I mean, he was in a lot of scenes. Right, because we find out that Hank and Josie have some kind of... Agreement? Yes. <laughs> yes, She Matt. says that <laughs> multiple times, Josie. We I read that. I agreement. wrote that down. We had an agreement. Yes. So in turn for $90,000, which I guess... Is worth is 18 good? months of Hank's for... life. I mean, $60,000 a year was a lot of money back then. It's yes. true. Like, it was okay. more like $75,000 back more like then. It was more like 100 Wait, at least. Could, another thing that bothers me Inflation's about his logic, his, his logic, uh, yeah, he's talking about 90000 over like the rest of his life. Which but, doesn't make which any would sense. Not but he's all, he also anyone. got out of he's the crime. He's pro-reading everything. Yeah. So he's saying like, in my 18 months, right. I got $90,000, which is $5,000 per month. And so if you equate that to the rest of my life, that's So yeah, that's shit. what he's saying. He's saying he wants to, that those payments to keep coming forever. Right. right? Well, so he's, I don't know. That's the question. It depends on how many years of life he has it's, left. It's a poorly right. written scene. And then <laughs> no in that, that conversation about how much yeah, life so he has bad. left, we learned that he caused the boating incident that caused Josie. Josie's husband, Josie's Andrew, husband. Yeah. was killed in a boating accident that we, we... So to this day, listeners, I understand that Josie paid Hank to kill Andrew in this boating accident or make it look like a boating accident. But why then... Hank had to like kill a hobo who ran into <laughs> the don't know. That just no seems like yeah, that, that was somehow his like alibi was accidentally killing someone else. <laughs> like, and that's where I come to the conclusion. vehicular manslaughter. Like it's so st- doesn't make any sense. The hobo was lying on the ground. David Lynch, apparently. I know you're listening. Just call me up and explain <laughs> this plot to me because I want to understand. I really do. And give that guy his truck back. Yeah, but you owe a man a truck. You know you do. Don't lie to us, Lynch. Oh, Pat, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. We learned from watching our binge watch of YouTube clips an interesting thing about David Lynch casting technique, which I think, Tom, you will agree, can really work amazingly in some cases or be the worst choice ever. So Joanna DeRay is the casting director of Twin Peaks. Her son, Eric DeRay, plays Leo who you might recall from being one of the worst actors on the show. Sorry, Joanne He did. I don't know. But apparently, (laughs) apparently David Lynch would not have actors read. He would just meet them and get a feel for them and just be like, you're it. And so I think that that, that's an interesting idea because it can bring out an amazing performance like a Cheryl Lee or a Sherilyn Fenn, but it can also bring you Dana Ashbrook as Bobby <laughs> and James Marshall as James. Like, I think that that's a very risky move. Yeah. It can sometimes bring you just flat out actors who cannot act, which we do see in this episode. But I think, I think Lynch isn't interested in making, like, quote unquote, good television here. I think he's interested in making, like, just his. I think for him it's all an experiment the whole time he's doing it. Like, he's not a by-the-numbers kind of guy. True. No, no, he's not. 
He has said though that And Mark Frost, who's yeah. also a genius. Yeah. I know. It is even in the <laughs> interviews we watched, no we've never seen Mark Frost and the actors would every once in a while be like, Oh, and Mark Frost. Uh, but it was like mainly Dave Lynch who was Yeah, like, like Mark Frost, come <laughs> speak for yourself. Like we wanna know what you did, but you're just not around. Like Wouldn't it be so cool if we were the podcast to get like Mark, Mark Frost, Frost to like come out of hiding? <laughs> yeah. Just like, come on, Mark. I've been waiting for someone to ask me and not that fucker Lynch for thirty years. <laughs> Mark, I wanna know your story. What's going on here? What's Come on, happening? Yeah, to the show. You have feelings too. Um, there was a great story that we heard about how David Lynch came up with this, with the idea for the Red Room. Like yes. he was saying, so the Red Room's from a couple episodes ago. Sorry to segue. It's been a long week, guys. I was in Tampa and then Dallas and now back in Chicago. And he came out after editing and put his hand on a truck that was like warm, probably the one he stole. <laughs> somehow he said in that moment like feeling the warmth and in the night he just sort of pictured like this red room and turned it into that Mm. amazing gorgeous scene we saw so like Obvi David Lynch we tease but you're amazing so and speaking on behalf of (laughs) Melissa and Tom we allow Kelly and Pat to do all of the background because they love Twin Peaks so much and Melissa has not seen Twin Peaks right so like I'm experiencing experiencing it firsthand and it's with really everyone. fun to watch it's really yeah fun we're to past watch. where i've watched it too mm. so it's like me and tom come in as fresh as babies right so and i don't want though. any spoilers so well i won't see, do any melissa, background melissa's doing a really good job of while we're watching like predicting what's going to happen based on a given scene and then pat is always like yep that's it i'm like oh god <laughs> screw you guys wait <laughs> <laughs> I if one of you would stop doing what you're doing, that would be great. I think you're getting <laughs> I can't help it. caught up in what Lynch wants you to get caught up in, which is the characters and the town. Like, I don't think Lynch's deal is trying to... He cares much less about having you figure out the murder than he does no, about like, yeah. the town. And apparently we now know it was this Bobby... Bob? Bob. The, the long so, yeah, let's talk guy. about Bob. Just Bob. B-O-B. Right. B-O-B. <laughs> we see him, like, in a vision of Ronette. Who was waking up from her coma in this episode? Yeah, we see Bob killing Laura with like a rock or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, an interesting origin story about Bob um, that is just one of those amazing and just shows how Lynch definitely did not plan anything. He just showed up <laughs> one day and like yeah. so. Let's just loud and clear. <laughs> yeah. Loud and clear. Nothing was planned. So, um, the actor who plays Bob, Frank Silva, was the Ooh. prop master or scene something yeah, like that. Yeah, and he guy. was moving a dresser in the Laura's bedroom set, and David Lynch was in the room and saw him in his Canadian tuxedo that he was wearing as his normal clothes. Wow. And was like, stop right there. Sir, put that dresser down. Are you an actor? And <laughs> he, as all people in Hollywood are, was like, so, yes. yes. And... Then David Lynch was like, I just want to shoot some weird random footage with you. And he shot some, like, random footage with Frank Silva by the foot of the bed, which, uh, you know, we've, we've already seen. Be, uh, and then, la- and he didn't know so what he was going to do with it. And then later they shot a scene, which I've always looked for this and never been able to see it. We'll have to go back because we've already passed this part. But they shot a scene with um, Sarah Palmer talking about something. 
and it was like a perfect take and they were like great job and then someone was like well we can't use it because there was a guy in the mirror in the background uh, and it was Frank Silva spot. and David Lynch was like Bob leave was, it yeah, that's was, creepy yeah. and so that kind of built into Bob and mm-hmm. created this character that has become Bob so right because we know Bob was it was Bob and the one-armed man in the red room mm-hmm. and then it was the flash of Laura's mom Sarah Sarah Palmer, yes. yeah. Sarah Palmer, who also saw him, and then, like, he faded out, and then he's now back with vengeance. Yes, and the quote that we were all talking about at the end of episode two, one, is, one person saw the third man, three have seen him, yes, but not his body. So, they're leading us to believe this Bob character is the third man, certainly in this last two episodes. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. Yes. Which is, yes. to me, such an interesting choice, because it's like, why would you, at this point in the series, and really, the series was a sleeper hit after season one. I mean, it really became super popular all of a sudden. People were talking about it on the water cooler. They had mm-hmm. people in the palm of their hands. Maybe the message boards Ooh. back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't it's, think it's an interesting uh, choice. There were, there were so, I mean, yeah, this came out, what, 92 with the first season? 90 to 91. So first okay. season was ninety. So we're in ninety one. Yeah, like there. I mean, there were user like forums, but like data scientists knew about them. It's true. I only know oh, of okay. the X Files. Right. In, like ninety three. Like, there was a lot. Yeah, there was like a big jump by then. People yeah. wanting David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson to sleep together made the internet. <laughs> that's what made the internet like it's thank true. you both of you I, I was part happy. of that I know me too no, I enjoyed and it. young men wanting to see Jillian uh, Anderson <laughs> right. made the internet like Jillian and David I hope you're happy I hope you have 12 children that we don't know about because <laughs> quick, you made the internet a quick shout out to the X-Files internet episode <laughs> where they're like let's put a, an internet warning out to all you internet <laughs> too users too shy <laughs> <laughs> that episode so sad that I know that <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And I found it's out true. that Mulder and Scully are the original use of the word shipping. I was a big Good shipper fact. back then. Oh, yeah. Crack Which here ship. doesn't mean freight, but yes. wanting two characters on TV to get together. Have you guys heard of crack ship? Have we talked about that yet? You mentioned no. something okay. last week, I think. Did what I? Are, okay. what are, define crack, it again for us. Crack ship is... Um, shipping between couples of two different shows. Uh, yes. So oh, if I was like yes. Agent, Agent Cooper mm-hmm. and Agent Scully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what? That'd be perfect. <laughs> that would be a crack ship. I feel like we spent a lot of time on that last week, but I could be wrong. Okay, be that wrong. might have been after the podcast, or it could have been during. We never know. It's so part of the fun. So it's just part of this conversation, we hit record. The other that's right. part... Oh, oh, one very important thing I want to hit about 1-8, and then I think we can move on to 2-1. Um, so, a lot is happening at 1-8 Jacks. Audrey is in over her fucking head. <laughs> a humpback, <laughs> her a humpback yes. seamstress is there? Igor lady. Yeah, seamstress is awesome, an awesome little side character that's like so wonderfully cast and rich in portrayal. So, apparently, every girl has to be a card. Right. So she's like, pick a card. Yeah, She's the... Queen of, I thought it was going to be hearts, turned out to be diamonds. Diamonds, which I think is in, actually telling. She's all about that money. Yeah, because maybe oh. Laura might be like the queen of hearts. She has like the split heart thing. But like oh. Audrey's she queen, of the queen of diamonds. She should be the queen of clubs because she died of blood head trauma. <laughs> 
Oh my god. That's bad. That's really bad. Okay. Wow. Well, Pat just is eating fried chicken. That's just like, that doesn't bother me at all. No. Not even a little bit. Um, yep. Yep. That could be. That could be what exactly. Wow. Okay. I. I've been listening to Doug Stanhope all day. I'm in a really weird place. Lost my train of thought. So Audrey is being dolled up to get fucked by her dad is what's happening in this scene. And she, I think, knows it. She yeah. knows, knows her dad's the owner. She has yeah. like a hint. Yeah. She's like, eh, I have that. a feeling it could be my dad. And then, like, once he walks in, it was like, hey, baby, like... Yeah. Ah, but fuck I it. Love Let's to- go along with it. <laughs> yeah. And so- then she's like, oh, shit. Like, this is weird. So... <laughs> yeah. So let's roll back the curtain here. So Audrey is told that the owner likes to spend a little time with the new girls, and she knows that the owner is her dad. And she hears this and is being, like, sewn up into this corset card number by Igor... With the hump woman. And, like, goes for it. And then, furthermore, in episode 2-1, Dad comes in, and she... Not that in any way is she, like, gonna play along, but she goes a lot long... Like, if it were me, not that I ever want to think about that scenario, but if it were me, the second that door opens, I go, Dad, Dad, fuck this. Stop. This has gone too far. This has gone too far. Like, chicken... Bluff, uncle, like <laughs> that's it. But Audrey just keeps going and She's going like, and going. How long would she have gone for? I don't know how long she would have gone for, but it, I mean, I mean she yeah, you really... sense that he pushed it to like they pushed that scene to the limit that they possibly could. Whether that was realistic Oof. or not, it was uh, really, really, really weird. Poor judgment. But before we leave episode, the last the, episode, yeah, so, season of finale, yeah, yeah. yeah. rich. We need to talk about Jacoby and oh, how, yeah. like, he, per the last episode, he was, like, stalking faux Laura, the cousin, <laughs> yeah. and, like... Still wearing the wig. Still wearing the wig. Who was still wearing the wig because she's a brunette. <laughs> because she's... She's the good it. one. Yeah. I like that scene when she, uh, she's there in the diner and she's like, you see these glasses? Like, I'm never wearing these again. She twists them to the breaking yes. point. Yes, now you're sexy. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. It turns out she's Cracks sexy. Cracks them in half. Yeah. yeah. And she takes them off and then is like, just not wearing contacts as far as we know, but just okay. choosing to right. be blurry vision right. for yeah. the rest of her life. Right. Jacoby is But back to Jacoby. Yeah. So, Jacoby gets beat up just on the back, I'm. I don't get into fights, guys. So yeah. please explain. Like, if you got hit down on the ground, would someone just pound your back and then you go? He got. He had a heart attack, so it could just be stress. But like, would you just pound some guy's back if like you were attacking him from behind? Would you try to flip him over and hit him in the face? I don't yeah, know. It's it really real weird. It kind of looks like. I feel like they do this move in Star Trek Next Gen a lot, where it's like. They hold their two hands together above their <laughs> and nobody head. Actually and down. Nobody like, actually fights like that. No one yeah. does. Just Riker. That's they, the only well, person it's in the a method world. of fighting they're going to discover in the 26th century, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exclusively. There you go. It's advanced. Yeah. 
Um, oh, we should say before we move on to 2-1 that Leland kills Jacques Renault. So Jacques Renault is in the hospital after being shot by Andy Victorious. Yes. Andy great saves scene. the day. Right. So great. Because you see so the, uh, the guy, whoever they're arresting, uh, Jacques. Jacques. Jacques, like steal somebody's gun. I don't know if they showed his face or not, but I was thinking, Andy... You let this guy steal your gun now after dropping it, but then, yes, of course, yes. Andy, was like, Andy, aww. Andy comes through and shoots yeah, him before he can get yeah. the drop on Great. Truman. Andy saves the day, and so Jacques is in the hospital, and um, Leland is, Leland goes to the sheriff's department for reasons unknown. At least, maybe I missed it. Why is Leland in the sheriff's department? He, when he hears goes? that they caught the killer. Right. So he but goes, we don't know how he found that. Right. So, so he just goes there kind of inexplicably yeah. and is there and hears that something about someone being in the hospital and goes to the hospital, thinks Jacques is the killer and kills Jacques or in the hospital. And there's a great moment, I think, of the fire alarm is going off and Leland has just put a pillow over Jacques and yeah. Leland is like silent screaming with the fire alarm and then it stops and his scream stops at the same moment and like it yeah. really is cool yeah, that really... actor does a good creepy man he is yeah. good and then yeah. the next day his hair is magically white yes and he's a new man he's Leland's hair really feels great cause he thinks he killed yeah maybe that's why he feels yeah, so great that's, yeah that's he what I was getting he out killed the, the killer of his the daughter so yeah. he's, he's had revenge he's still sad as he puts it at the end of this episode but yeah. uh yeah. you know he's ready to move on and live life and the last thing about the finale is Nadine commits oh, suicide oh yes Nadine oh, yeah. commits suicide in a Really poetic, kind of sad Attempted way. suicide. Attempted she yeah. puts on this, like, pink, kind of satiny dress. Death dress, I And call she it. folds out. <laughs> <on, like, laughs> you're so sensitive, baby. Um, she, like, puts on a plaid flannel blanket and a bowl a of pills, and this sad Two music kinds. is playing. Two kinds of pills. Yeah, yes. it's. I, I really. Every time I watch this, I like Nadine more and more, and I feel for her more and more because I think. And we even get, like, Nadine's eye origin story in 2-1. But, like, you just... Nadine didn't ask for any of this shit. It just... You know, she just stumbled on this kind of, like, life with this guy who just doesn't love her. And, like... It sucks, you know? You just feel really bad for her. It's yeah. a good she, point. You do, yeah, she becomes a lot more sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. she's a good... She's a, Yeah, so... Do we hit all of Lucy's points? So Lucy says, Leo Johnson was shot... Um, Jacques was strangled, Mill was burned, Shelly and Pete got smoke inhalation, Catherine and Zo- Josie are missing, and Nadine was in a coma. Those are yep. all the things that happened in 1-8. And I wrote down during the opening credits of 1-8 that uh, Dr. Nathan Jacoby, I mean Dr. Lawrence Jacoby, <laughs> <laughs> gets an and credit. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and this guy as Dr. Lawrence Jacoby. Uh, which they like, had like the more biggest... and more. That's like the biggest star usually right. in the show. But yeah. I don't know why he got it. Okay, so 2-1. May the Giant Be With You, directed by David Lynch. Definitely on any Twin Peaks fans. Going to be top five episodes. <laughs> Fantastic. You start right away with a super lynchy scene. Coop's been shot. He's lying on the hotel floor, bleeding out of his abdomen. And the old man room service waiter comes in with the milk oh, yeah. tray. That milk will get cool on you. Yeah. Thank you, Pat. Pretty soon. It's so... What I love about Lynch, when he does a scene well, it's like a choreographed ballet. It's like, this scene is so slow. 
you know, the old man comes in and then he leaves and then he comes in and then he leaves and there's so much use of Three silence. And, and pauses. Yeah. Because, like, as a new watcher of Twin Peaks, I was like, someone competent gonna come through the door <laughs> and help this poor guy. Yeah. Please. And then it's just, oh, here's the waiter again going, like, thumbs up. Yep. We're good. <laughs> yeah, for a second, Lynch gives you the fake out that this old man might not just be senile but evil because when he comes right. back, he's like, I recognized you. Yeah. But then it just turns out, no, he's just really he's senile just... and has no idea what's yep. going on. And yep. Lynch loves old people. He loves making sure. them a little bit creepy. But this guy is just phenomenal and this scene is perfect. And when I love it, so it tells you so much about Cooper that Cooper is still concerned about things like, does this include a gratuity? Like, he's on his way to death, and he wants to make sure that he's tipping. You know, Cooper's just such a lovely man. He's fully resigned to the situation that he cannot convince this man to call a a doctor. Yes. The old man can't hear. I will finish this transaction courteously, (laughs) at at least. Yeah, And, and Cooper has this just zen-like piece about him and the old man is it's just wonderful so the old man leaves and then the giant kind of appears which always makes me feel like there's a tie between the old man and the giant Mm. the giant's kind of wearing a similar thing as the old man Hmm. so we've seen now the little man i'm afraid of saying un-pc things um and now we see the could say dwarf okay Good. Now we see the giant, and he t- he gives Cooper oh, some information, shame. which is that that. that uh that you will f- he tells him three things, which are there's a man in a smiling bag, the owls are not what they seem, and without chemicals he points. Point. So those are the three things from the giant. And then one extra thing: Leo is locked inside a hungry horse. Yes. And Cooper's just going with it, lying on the floor, bleeding out. Which doesn't surprise me as a new watcher because, again, I just go back to the scene where Cooper allows everyone to just watch around him with his Tibetan ritual of just throwing shit at nothing and see, like, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. So, but he also, the giant also takes his pinky ring, which I had noted in season one, like, that's weird that Cooper is even <laughs> wearing a pinky ring. Is that, like, part of his undercover character? Yep. But apparently it's sentimental. Yeah, and you don't, and, he, and so the giant says he'll give Cooper back his ring when Cooper knows these things to be true or something like Cooper right. figures out the crime. Cooper so we has, know when everything's figured out, when the yes, ring is exchanged yes. and magically back on his finger. And then, yeah, so you're assuming sort of that the giant is a vision, but then A, Cooper wakes up and the ring is really gone, and B, at, towards the end of this episode, which is an hour and a half long, by the way, I must say, right. for a good episode, it drags a little bit. For sure. Um, we see the giant again, and this time you see him sort of like scoping out, is Cooper asleep? Before right. he turns on the light and then appears to Cooper to materialize again, but we all know he's kind of really there. And also, Cooper says, "You're not. I'm not dreaming." The right. Second time. Right. Yeah. I mean, Cooper has some beautiful stuff in this episode, too. When he's just lying there, talking to Diane on his voice-activated uh, um, voice re- voice recorder, he says, 
sorry. No, this what? is the first time that we've really noticed that Diane like follows. Through yeah. Because she, he's like, yes. thanks for my earbuds. Diane. Yes. And I was like, yeah. whoa, Diane. Before like, this, you are yeah. on the ball. You're right, because before this, it could almost be like, is we Diane know. even real? Yeah. Does yeah. Diane like, exist? Is Diane dead? Is he just talking to a <laughs> right. tape recorder? Like, I mean, we, we yeah. did spoil for Tom and Melissa that we don't meet Diane in, in, Anything. in Twin Peaks, <laughs> but there's a lot of fan speculation and hope that in the Showtime 2017, we will finally meet Diane. And there's a number of actresses. The cast for the new Twin Peaks is over 200 actors. Wow. So there's a lot of names being thrown around for people who might be Diane. And there's some great ones that I would be really excited to see. <laughs> but, but Cooper says some amazingly awesome things when he's, like, lying on the floor. He says... Um, it's not about death. It's not so bad as long as you can keep the fear from your mind, which... That's a really good quote. Oh, my God. Oh, I thought yeah, it was so yeah. beautiful. And I don't want to get all sad and deep, but, you know, like, I've gone through open-heart surgery. I know how, like, those kind of sad things, those feelings of, like, just hope, like, oh, my God, I, I don't know if I can get through this feels. And yeah. that that sentence really resonated with me, where I was like, what an amazing thing to say. And even when it's not as deep as open heart surgery, everyone goes through, like, mm -hmm. the shit, like, I'm freaking out about all of this right. stuff. And it's like, well, if you keep that from your mind, you can just go forward. Yeah. And just, like, yeah. deal with shit. Yeah. As it comes very to true, The true. world, according to Cooper, he says, too, and this just makes me love him even more, I would like, in general, to treat people with much more care and respect. And this coming from a character that we've seen nothing, <laughs> nothing but, but the, the utmost care and respect. Yep. I like that he wants to climb a tall hill, but not like a super tall hill. <laughs> right. Right? Because I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a nature-y person. Right. Like, I would love to hike, yeah. but I don't want to like really hike. Like, I just want to like, you know what's, you know what's in Portland, Portland, trail. Oh, the, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that nice little hill. Yeah, in Portland, whatever hill that was, that was perfect. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> There's like you want to be like one of those outdoorsy people, but you know you're not. Right. So like you just <laughs> yeah, and you just go. Right. I just want like something like halfway, maybe a trail yeah. going somewhere, and then I turn uh, back. It's and, so beautiful. Uh, and he says he wants to go to Tibet, which, as it turns out, is pretty hilly. As yeah, as that's I understand. true. So he can knock those two out with one. Wish. And he wants to make love to a beautiful woman who has genuine affection for him. And I want to be like, Audrey lives in the Great Northern. Probably three doors down. Just rat a tat tap on her and door. she's pretending to be a prostitute right now. Right. And she's praying to you as oh, if you're her yes. higher power yes. when she's yeah. in trouble at the whorehouse. She's like, oh, Cooper, I, I hope you can hear me somehow. I'm really in a spot, Cooper, like... It's like her foxhole prayer to God, only it's to Cooper, her crush. Yes, <laughs> right. And it's the, like the first time we see Audrey in the whole episode, it's like towards the very end. Yeah. Yep. And she's just like, oh shit, I'm really in over my head. Yeah. Cooper, if you hear me, like help. Yeah, and she's so, so it, so Audrey basically, I mean, she's not. You know, she's she's just, that's exactly it. She's way in over her head. She wanted to be a Maltese Falcon, and instead she's just kind of a teenage girl who's a little confused. And now she's ended up as a sex worker at <laughs> Morning Jacks. Dance ranch. <laughs> like, yeah, nearly having to, like, having to literally slap away her dad trying to, like, paw at her. 
But despite all that, I have to say she looks the most gorgeous any human person could ever look in this black kind of satiny slip while true. she's like praying to Agent Cooper. And I'm like, man, you look you look on point, Audrey. Like I know things are rough for you, but you're managing to look good, lady. She's very beautiful. But yeah, and she's left a note for Cooper that he has forgotten. So he left. She left he got a note. Shot. He got shot. Yeah, yeah, I can't really blame He him. does pick up the note and kind of smile about it, and I think he knows it's from Audrey, but then he gets shot. Then so, right. rude, but can be forgiven. Um, what else? I feel like so much more happens in this episode. Oh, yeah. oh I want to bring up when uh, someone, who is it that's uh, interrogating the guy that shot Leo? Uh, uh, that's Hank, then. Hank yeah, shot Hank shot Leo. Leo. Okay. And then, who's is it Jerry and... Who's interrogating Oh, Jerry him? and Ben are, Jerry like, circling ben. around Hank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good scene. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, uh, you know, Leo was chopping wood inside there. Like, chopping wood? Because that's what he was going after. Chopping wood? What's her face? Shelly with the X, yeah. right? Yeah. And they're like, and, and I you think... You know Leo. Like, yeah, yeah you say, you like... You know Leo. You know, Leo's doing coke all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised <laughs> to see him chopping wood inside his house. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they also... We find out Jerry... Well, we don't find out, but I just wrote that Jerry is a foodie. Which we yes, already know, but... Jerry. He describes another amazing meal. I think he's describing and, that dish where, like, you... Yeah. There's some dish it's like, like flambe something. A whole head though. Yeah, there, there's some dish like where you kill like a bird and by like drowning it in bur- yeah. in brandy and then they, it's like French then and you just eat it all. You're supposed to eat it under a nap with your head under a napkin, yeah. either to take in all the smells or the other theory is to hide from God because it's such a cruelty to the animal that you <laughs> like that where word. it's like like the egg like a newborn? It, yeah, yeah. Where it's wow. like you eat the whole like baby yeah. yeah, no, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would just stick with a Taco Bell burrito personally. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But I also love in that scene, because they're talking with Hank, Hank has his leather jacket on, so that <laughs> means he means business. Yes. <laughs> That's what I noted. <laughs> At the like, diner, he never has it on. Right. Yeah. Right, he's, he's trying to be, he's being sweet, Ugh. but when he puts on his leather jacket, it's his killing jacket. <laughs> So, like, he shoots Leo, Leo's in a coma, and then he's like, yeah, I'm ready to do all of your dirty work now, because I'm back from jail. God, and I It's been two days. It's been two (laughs) days, guys. And I wrote a note about Hank, and I'm sorry, because I know, you know, like, as a failed actor, I have no right to ever (laughs) talk about anyone else's acting, but watching Hank when he's talking to Norma in the one scene where he's trying to, like, pull some sort of charm con on her. I'm like, watching a bad actor pretending to be a bad actor is so painful. I mean, Hank is just painful. It's really rough to watch (laughs) him in these episodes. And there's so... It's such a large cast, and there's so much interesting stuff. I'm like, what real estate could we could have given... Like, how could we have spent this time if we hadn't spent it on Hank? We could have reallocated... Right. This time to something that I'm was way more. Sorry, but I can't do it. So, Patrick, what was your? Uh, did you write something down for your burn list this week? Uh, oh, yes, a few. There's uh, quite a few. Oh. I have a few uh, lines here, of course, from uh, Albert. Albert Rosenflower <laughs> and <laughs> Roserfeld. Oh yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I wrote down. I thought you would write that one. Make a note of that one too. Roserfeld Flower said. <laughs> About Andy, where did they, they keep, keep his, his water, water dish? dish. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that I would make like lists. Albert is like the outsider looking yes. at being like, 
this shit and no one else sees up. it. Yeah, and he's, he's like, not like dreamy-eyed Cooper. He's like, right. like the real world people. What is <laughs> going on here? Going he's on? like, if I was in Twin Peaks, I would be like, uh... Yeah. I would own this town in five weeks <laughs> right. if I moved here. Another great moment yeah. in law enforcement history. Like, yeah. Albert just... <laughs> hates them but then Andy did you get did you get Andy's line when he says like I don't like the way you talk smart to To Harry or anybody like I'm not sure if that's the exact quote but it's pretty pretty close (laughs) pretty great Andy gives it to him and then storms out and then Truman looks at Albert like "Mm mm-hmm that's That's right that's my deputy right there they're all proud of Andy they're all proud of Andy and Rosenfeld's just laughing inside so much bromance she's like oh Andy yeah. She's, yeah. Oh, she's Lucy so proud. Yeah. Lucy's so proud of Andy for saying. Oh yeah. yeah. The oh, and we find out Lucy, oh, Lucy tells Andy she's pregnant. Yep. And do Andy does not react it. well. No, and we do uh, not yes. talk about it. So that was end of. That was the one end eight. of one eight. Yes. And we don't talk about it in season two yet. No, but. so we don't know what's going on there, but we do know that the sheriff's department is so into their bromance that they basically, like, set up a conversation in front of Lucy to talk about, like, how great Andy was in the gunfight <laughs> to, like, make Andy look good. That I just love that they do that. They're just so romantic. <laughs> See, I didn't read that as, like, a setup, but just, like... She happened to be there. She happened there. to be there. But, but it, then they're like, go for it, Andy, go! Well, yeah, then they see yeah, her, like... it's true. Maybe you're right. They love each other. There's so much, <laughs> a cute so much bromancing going on. It's really sweet. Who do you think is a bigger bromance, Ben and Jerry or Harry and Cooper? Harry and oh. Cooper. Harry and Cooper. Come yeah, on. Harry and Cooper are like right in their initials. They're in their honeymoon phase. That's true. Ben, ben and Jerry have been yeah, together. They're like an old couple. Yeah, really. They're still Harry and Cooper are still trying to impress. Each other. That's right. Well, Ben and Jerry have just been together so long that they're like, this is just how it is. Right, sweetie? Yeah. They're like, yep. (laughs) Giggles. They are. Move on. Like, so in sync, the the Horn brothers. They do have that one scene where they're like, for whatever reason, circling Hank and scheming. And yeah, that was back to another bubble, burn bubble, I bubble had. toil and Oh yes, so. yeah. What big bubble? That's the, a good the other burn I had. Analogy. Oh yeah, Pat, yeah. give your other burn. One, one more other burn. Pat's and they burn. Say, <laughs> yes, another burn. Know, uh, like... So Leo's in a coma with Leo. How could they tell? <laughs> Zing. <laughs> Zing. That's Jim. so true. Um, oh, I just gotta say, like, if you would ask me, uh, you know, which of these actors do you think was you know, the son of the casting director, I would not have guessed Leo. I would have guessed, like, Hank, maybe. That's true. Leo's not bad. Or Bobby. And by all accounts... <laughs> Bobby is really a oh. poor James. Yeah, and I hate to say it. Very good-looking guy. <laughs> hey, Dan- Dana Ashbrook, I know you're listening. <laughs> That's going to be my thing from now on. But, um, yeah, Bobby, we watched him in an interview, and I don't think he understands Twin Peaks. Like, I wanted to explain a few things to him. I'm yeah. like, dude, I don't think you understand the mill plot. I don't think you get your relationship with Shelly. I'd like to map it out for you beat by beat. If oh. you come over and have some coffee with me. Because here's a fun fact. Probably all four of us. I want to, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, let's explain to Dana Ashbrook what's happened so far. <laughs> you've so- you've <laughs> involved us all in your Twin Peaks obsession now, Kelly. So we're all I know, I've sucked them all into my so, whirlpool. Here's a fun fact, because Bobby 
you know, Shelly survives. Yay. And then... <laughs> Love her. She was never going to die, though. You knew that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bobby's like... She's like, Bobby, I love you. And he's like, I guess I love you, too. <laughs> and then she's like, okay. And it's like, I don't know, Bobby. It's not the best thing. I know. Thing. I you like... had, like, four girlfriends all at the same time. Yeah. So maybe you should know how to handle this situation. I also want to be like... Match, uh, Machinamic, like, Bobby, do you think you can do better than this woman? Like, what the, f- you should and be then, on your knees thanking God uh, every day. Bobby takes credit for taking care of Leo. He's like, we don't have to worry about Leo I know. anymore. And it, he doesn't do Bobby anything. Bobby is such a putz. He's such a putz. He just lets he just sucks. And then shoot he him. walks out of the room going, yeah, I, I guess, guess I love yeah. I guess I love you. <laughs> that being said, you know what Briggs family member doesn't suck is Major Briggs. And Major. there is a wonderful scene that I'm really like geek out hoping that they bring to fruition in the new Twin Peaks in some way because mm. we know the new Twin Peaks takes place 25 years later um, on, on purpose. Yeah. And there's this great scene in the diner where Major Briggs runs into Bobby and he asks, if he can share something with Bobby and basically tells Bobby about this dream he had where Bobby is really successful and he explains what every parent I think dreams for their child is just that I ran into you as an adult and you were like functioning and happy (laughs) and it made me happy and given their relationship up to this point he says like you're living a life of deep harmony and joy Uh, we embrace with nothing withheld and Bobby gets really touched by this moment And I just think it's a nice, there's been a lot of, you know, negative parent-child relationships. It's true. It's a nice break. Up until, like, your dad almost sleeping with you at a (laughs) brothel. So this nice moment of, like, father and son kind of reconciling, seeing, like, the hope for your child being in a better place in the future, it was a really nice moment for me. There's seldom that. It's like there's not a lot of hope right now. And just, like, a beautifully described Vision, He's such a good he actor. He's he that rich voice the, of his. The veranda and yeah. the foyer. Can I just bring it back to something like completely so, something <laughs> yes, different? Of course, there. yes. He also has how was school? I don't think any of these children have gone to school. No, like Not for the past no like way. week and a half. Bobby, so how was school? <laughs> you know he's what? He's like uh, school. school? <laughs> It was fun. It was like, that is a good point. I've been busy plotting Ma- murder and making right. love with a married woman and... What's right, that? and yeah. selling drugs. Selling, yeah. Well, and interestingly, we did find out that had they had a season three, had they been signed on for a season three, one of the notes they got from the network was like, people aren't interested in the high school stuff, like, get rid of that. And I completely agree. Like, these kids don't need to be in high school. Like, yeah. it's just, I understand the vehicle of having Laura be the prom queen, but, like, the kids still being in high school just just makes it, like, annoying for us to, f- to figure out why they weren't there. Someone who reads a lot of young adult fiction, <laughs> I always, in my mental mind, while I'm reading through, they're always, like, 23. Yep. In my head. Yeah. As opposed to 17. Right. Because, like, you're not really, you're acting a lot older. Right. Well, there's a thing where casting yeah. directors don't know if they want to cast real teenagers or not. <laughs> you know, like, they could have easily gone with real teenagers, but obviously in this instance, they went with 
adults, like yeah. 20 to right. 30 year olds. Most you of them are adults. Like, I think Shelly was a big fan of this time in television. Yeah. Shelly was one of the younger ones, and she was like 18. Like, and remember 90210? Yeah. They were all like in their 20s and 30s, oh, and right. they're supposed and to be like, 17. Yeah. Uh, Dawson's Creek. Like, yep. they were all like. Adults. Adults. Yeah. Well, here's James a fun Wayne. fact. Claire um, <laughs> Smith was like 30. Yeah. He was like, I'm 18. Okay, <laughs> cool. I don't want your life. I know, and they're like adults. No, so I actually read for Willow and Buffy the Vampire Slayer when no. I was in seventh grade. No. Because that was when, like, before a, before a show gets made, they don't know if they want, like, real teenagers or fake teenagers who are in their 20s. So they send this casting call out to just fucking anybody and I had like a creepy child agent at that time (laughs) so like it's just like amazing to think that they're like looking at two and they're like we could go with Alison Hannigan or this pimple ass kid from (laughs) front of you like who's like (laughs) literally like like just an idiot so what would Twin Peaks have been like if they went with real like 16 year olds it would be awful yeah, like, not okay. I the nephews about right. their age, mm. it, it is it a would weird be. time period. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not play if they were really <laughs> teenagers. Yeah. But that is amazing that you read for Willow. Yes, I know. And I remember getting the side and being like, this is a terrible piece of garbage. And now I'm like such a weed knight, so I'm like, that's the karmic debt that you pay for reading a side from weed and being like, this sucks. You know, like, I clearly didn't know what I was talking about. Did you, like, book any pro gigs as a child actress? Yes, and it was uh, horrible, and I don't think it's out there. Quick story, quick story. No, it's an independent... Tom will find it on the internet. (laughs) It's some, like, like, video about... Changing teen hormones. I play That's angry. Never seen it, obviously. No, no an angry teen named Gloria, and it's just not okay. Don't. It doesn't exist. Like you'll never find it. Doesn't. We don't want to talk about it. Oh. <laughs> no, but we just we did. Really do. But speaking of weird, amazing. <laughs> if anyone's actually listening to this and they find that, please send it to. It does. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Uh, Laura Palmer is dead. <laughs> Podcast at Gmail. Oh yeah, that's the first time we. Laura Palmer said. And we have a Facebook page now. I'm trying to get and Twitter. I need to do last week's episode and put it up on YouTube. Guys, we've sold out. Oh my god. To our (laughs) eleven followers, the five like ten of whom were on the first day. And I think I'm two of the followers. I didn't mean to be, but I have two different social accounts, and accidentally I make us look so lame because you're not supposed to follow yourself. No, you can't. No. Oh, I, I followed you back with the SoundCloud. So okay, good, that was, good. That was my bad. Gotta get a lot. Can we talk about the Hayward Supper Club? Yes. This is... And yeah, how we don't right. have one right now. <laughs> right. They've had many now episodes where they've had dinner like this. But yes. this one is... This one takes the cake. This one takes cake. Pun intended. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... Uh, end of this episode. Wait, is it the end of the episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're pretty close. much, pretty close. pretty close. Is the Hayward Supper Club? So we meet second Hayward daughter or third Hayward daughter. We've met two Haywards, Donna and her sister Harriet, from the pilot. But now there's another one. She's got long red hair and she can play the piano and she's gonna be the fairy princess in her school play, and that constitutes having a dinner between the Haywards and the Palmers, in which Leland and Sarah are dressed black tie and everybody else is normal attire. Leland's everyone's lawyer. 
Yes. Doc Hayward's lawyer. Well, he's because Ben's he doesn't lawyer. sad cry anymore. We're done with Leland sad cry. Yeah, right. He now he is cry. cray singing <laughs> is how I'm going to... So moment he, of... <laughs> he is crazy, and he is singing, and he is singing loud, proud... Yep. And super crazy. To the excellent piano skills. Yes. Of, uh, Alicia. Alicia Howe. Yeah. Who we were like, she might be the most famous person currently in the whole scene. Because you've got um, Mama Chanel, as I always call her, Emily Chanel, and then a bunch of randos. Laura. And Laura Flynn Boyle. Grace Zabriskie. Yeah. She made Men in Black Laura, 3. So yeah. Where, like, Laura Flynn Boyle was famous in her name, but mostly because she dated Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Right. Like, like, she became, like, super and famous. And Kyle MacLachlan. What was this. her um, show that she was on in the 90s? So was she it, like, was in Private Practice? Was it Alan McBeal? Or no, Private no, Practice. No, it was Private Practice private with practice. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan McDermott. McDermott. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Dreamy. She dark hair, light eyes. I do love that. Yeah, she is. I don't know who Dylan McDermott is. I've heard the name, but <laughs> you would know him. I can't. Google Give me a it. character reference. We didn't even talk the about the guy from Private That's Practice. That's so dissimilar Sorry. from Moving Mulrooney. We didn't talk about um, <laughs> possessed sunglasses. So when Donna puts on Laura's sunglasses, let's just talk about Donna in general. Yeah. So Donna's trying to be Audrey. Somehow, in these two days that have passed, <laughs> she has grown six inches of hair, got a, I don't want to fuck with you attitude, and a much better clothing style. Yeah. So, what really happened was, season one was successful. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's interesting to see between season one, episode eight, and season two, episode one, how it's like, oh, this TV show was a sleeper hit. Now actors are losing weight, they're changing their hair color, like, there's a budget, like, things change in 2-1. In in all fairness, with Donna, I think it's because there's this underlying James thing where, like, he really is weirdly attracted to the cousin because the cousin Mm -hmm. looks like Laura, so she's weirdly jealous about all of that, but then... Yeah, I'm But it's also, like, we're to believe that when he was with Laura, he wanted to be with Donna. So I'm like, so you got true. Donna now, it's so why cla- the fuck are you wanting to... It's a to- classic, he yeah. wants what he doesn't have. Yeah. It's, it's So Donna, like, <laughs> I, I don't know if they were suddenly going to be like, let's try and make Lara Flynn Boyle more sexy or something, but all of a sudden she has sort of a character change in 2-1... After Pretty her, severely. after right. her uh, spy cap, right, right. She spent the last two episodes in a baseball cap, looking right. like a weird suburban mom, oh, or like a twelve-year-old boy. Like she's like in disguise, like. Well, you know, maybe that's realistic of like an eighteen-year-old. You don't know who you are at that age. You're that's like true. trying on different personalities, left and right. She does say she um, to James when she is like pulling some sort of like faux film noir sexy femme fatale act she's like it, or is it just not okay for me to want you and i took note of that line just because i do think one thing that i really like about these last two episodes is they are talking about like um the townspeople having these weird sexual desires and that like it's okay and we shouldn't have been so weird about it and we shouldn't be so repressed yeah. and i i think that that's a positive <laughs> thing but oh, she's suddenly good. being yeah. very like wanting to you know, fuck James through the bars. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, then he's like, 
It's not what's right. Wrong with you? Yeah, he's yeah, such a dickhead. Yeah, what's wrong with his weird, stupid face? Damn. Yeah, and he's in jail, by the way, because Bobby planted cocaine in his. He's an bike, easy uh, rider. Right. They never knew that that was what easy rider meant until Twin Peaks. I thought it was a <laughs> Levi's jean style. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a movie with Jack Nicholson in it, and uh, Henry Bruce. Fonda. Henry Fonda. Yeah. There you and, go. Uh, dude from Apocalypse Now. Uh, Marlon Brando. No, no, the Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper, yes. Also, yes, fun right. fact: riding dirty, riding with a gun in your car. Cool. Millionaire. Oh, hey. Eight ish. Do they see millionaire? Yes, millionaire. <laughs> number one hit was riding dirty. People were like, I don't know what that oh, means. Right, right, it right. means riding with a gun in your car. Okay. Yeah. So Donna turns sexy. Um, one character that I want to talk about in these episodes, just because I love him, Pete. So we find no. out, <laughs> I, I think, that Pete does love Catherine. He does. And he's got some, he tries to save Catherine from the mill fire. Mm-hmm. He's got one of my favorite quotes that I was saying when I heard it, like, this is what Pat is going to say when I die. <laughs> oh. She was plain hell to live with, plain hell. <laughs> but once, there was a little piece of heaven there, too. <laughs> oh. So sweet. Like, Pete, I know that I'm the Catherine to your Pete, and I'm sorry about that. I wish I was more of the Josie to your Pete, but sometimes I'm a Catherine. Josie's crazy. (laughs) And where is Josie, incidentally, in these episodes? Oh, weird. Takes off. Because we don't know. (laughs) We don't know. And then we see some guy with a ponytail, an Asian man with a ponytail, Calling internationally to Hong Kong, which means that he must be with some kind of weird mob Hong Kong. Triad, Kong. perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and we and Pete thinks that Josie is in Seattle shopping. Yes. Yeah. So, but how wouldn't Harry know? Because Harry is sleeping with Josie. It's it doesn't seem like there's much trust. Much trust in she that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Harry doesn't know. Harry doesn't know much about anything, but certainly not about Josie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We talked about the Hayward Supper Club. You mentioned so Audrey praying to Cooper when she's at One Eye Jack's. I I sort of feel bad at this point. How many days has Audrey been missing, and her (laughs) father hasn't said boo? Nobody has noticed. It's been like a night, though. It's only been like a night. night, It's only been a night. Okay. It's I mean, hard it's, to tell because Donna's hair grows six <laughs> inches. Right, in that one night. Yeah. But I do like that, again, I really love always the two sides of Audrey. You know, there's the one side where she's she'll be in kind of this interrogation with Blackie and she's so in control and she is, like, in charge of everything. And then we see really how vulnerable she is that she's just like, I'm sure I'll be in worse scrapes than this, but right now I'm a little bit in over my head. But as a side, as a audience member, we know that Blackie from season one, she's a heroin addict. Yes. Correct. So yeah. that, and the fact that she doesn't go like, "Fuck you!" Like my dad is the owner, right. so I own you. 
Yeah. Audrey is keeping that card way close to the chest. I mean, I would have... All the other cards that they sold on (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even mean to make that analogy, but it totally works. It's a fun pun. It's a fun pun. Yeah, I mean, she is brave, because like I've said, I would have called it quits way, way, way... Once you're using a little, like, masquerade mask as the only thing between you and a really good situation with your dad. Like, the second my dad's footsteps are coming down the hall, I'm like, Dad, stop! <laughs> like, that's it. Abort, abort, right. abort. Nope, this plan's not working. Uh, I don't want to tell you why I'm here. Right. You don't want me to know uh, that you're here, so we're just going to walk away. We're yeah. just gonna I'll eat. see you dinner tomorrow. Let's just pretend this never happened. We're gonna it's going to be awkward at yeah. dinner, but... It no. always is with Johnny and his headdress. Jacoby's <laughs> <laughs> over. This will be some fresh awkwardness that makes it up a yeah. little bit. Remember when... Yeah, so... I think that kind of brings us up to speed. Oh, the very end of the episode, um, Renette, who has been in the hospital, wakes up and seemingly remembers Bob, the presumably missing third man, man. and freaks out. Melissa and I were trying to figure out, we'll have to IMDb it, if Renette's a different actress, she looks different. We're not quite sure. It's just the hair is really different. It might be the hair. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, it's hard to tell. We also find out, I don't know if we've talked about Teresa Banks. Oh, no. So Teresa Banks is actually why Cooper's even in Twin Peaks. There was a murder before Laura, this girl Teresa Banks, that was very similar to Laura's murder with the letters under the fingernails, and that's why Cooper was brought in. And actually they find out that Leo had an alibi for the night that Teresa Banks was killed, so it's likely possibly that Leo is not the murderer but he was there so we don't necessarily have a ton more answers right we have a little we have clarity on the mill plot a lot more clues and yeah yeah. and then a little more B plot we realize how Nadine and Big Ed like fell in love that's an interesting story not really fell in love like because she was in a coma Big Ed (laughs) told her his whole history to Cooper because <laughs> something about Cooper's eyes just make you want to like release oh my God, everything, all your secrets. Oh, it's true. We also, did we talk at all about the uh, scene when the mill is about to start burning down when uh, Shelly Shelley is rescued by Catherine? Catherine? No, no. I just We just need to mention that, I feel. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I can't hear you. You've got a thing in your mouth. Catherine's like, doesn't know who <laughs> Shelly is. She's like, why yeah. are you here in my mill burning down? Because <laughs> the whole premise of these like two episodes is there's this masked gunman. Right. And he just kind of pops up and he shoots Cooper. He shoots, like, we only see, like... Jacoby. Yeah, he yeah. shoots Jacoby or beats him up from the... Back, He's I don't a understand. Busy night. <laughs> so it's like we see this masked gunman, and so like we only see like the the front of the gun. What is that called? The barrel. The barrel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, yeah, I'm you're not right. a gun person. That's all right. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, and then it's cat. And I was like, the oh, muzzle sh- of the gun, if you will. I was like, oh shit, poor Shelley. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, and then it's Catherine holding a gun going like, who the fuck are you? Right. Like, why are you here? Right. I don't understand anything you're saying because you're tied up. Yeah, I was trying to obviously throw Shelly in as like a freebie on this whole plot and like that was not supposed to be part of it. So right. it's like yeah. very confusing. Yeah. And he said he was going to go kill Bobby. 
So Leo has gone rogue, is what I get <laughs> from, from this situation. Yeah, and yeah. You, Ben makes it implicit that he wanted Lilo, Lilo, Leo <laughs> killed. Because yeah. he's like, why isn't Leo being measured for a plot in mm-hmm. Ghostwood Memorial? That was what Hank was hired yeah, to Yeah, Hank. Do. So, ev- so I always feel like... Everyone has a job. Hank yeah. was like the big boss, and then because he went to jail for those eighteen months, that yeah, we consistently talk about. <laughs> um, Leo kind of took over and was like, "Oh, I'm like the go-to, yeah. whatever your dirty work is, I'll take care of it." <laughs> yeah, man. But now that Leo's back or Hank's back, he's like, "I'll do it all." Yeah. So just tell me what you need to do. Oh. Shoot Leo, done. <laughs> he's yep. so game. He yeah. is. <laughs> he is. He's like, you know what I love? Killing people. It's real GGG. <laughs> yeah. And Ben, but Ben and Jerry do say, like, to Hank, because we are That's getting right. that impression, and then Ben and Jerry say, like, you're the bicep, and all you're there is, you're there to flex, like, let the brother's horn do the thinking. So yeah. just yeah. to reestablish to us, like, Ben and Jerry are calling the shots. Yes. Jerry really is just kind of flying around eating and making friends with people. But Ben is like, Ben has his... Ben's a mastermind. Yeah, he's got multiple schemes going with like Josie and Hank and right, Catherine and we haven't seen Leo. Josie in season two. We haven't seen Catherine in season yeah. two. So those are big like, where are they? Mysteries. Yep. Ben's yes. calendar is real full. And he still has time to try and sleep with the new girl. Keep your calendar not entirely full so that next week you can <laughs> listen to episode six of our podcast. If we get around to putting it up by next week. We will. Side Feel note, good. Norma has really horrible mom genes. Yeah, it's like, a shame, too. <laughs> really she's super bad. hot. Like, it ruins her figure. 